0: Oddly enough, um, I'm talking to my father on the phone one day, and uh, he's like, hey, I saw this video on YouTube, right? And, uh, you know, my dad, he's up there. So YouTube, I'm like him and YouTube. I'm like, oh, you're watching YouTube. He's like, yeah, I saw this video. And this guy was talking about short-term rentals. And I was like, what is short-term rentals? And He was like, yeah, that's what I said, but it sounds pretty interesting. I know you like to do this entrepreneurial stuff. Let me send you this link. So he sends me the link or whatever. And I'm looking at it, and lo and behold, um, it's our good friend, Jay Massey, (laughs) right? And um, so I'm looking at... Now, here's the thing. When I left my W-2 in 2014, I started a podcast, right? Because you know who was hot back then was John Lee Dumas. So I just knew I was going to be the next black John Lee Dumas, right? So I'm like, I'm going to podcast every day, you know, and I'm going to do all this stuff. And so... In, in that process of going through my first podcast, you know, I was working with, um, um, the podcast connection lady. I can't think of her name right up hand, but, but she put me, uh, she queued me up with Jay to do an interview. Right. And so, um, so, so Jay was one of the people in, 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 uh, you know, probably the first dozen people that I interviewed Jay was in that group. And so, um, so I had known Jay from that podcast from back in 2014. And now, now we're in 2017, and I'm learning about these short term rentals. So he's like, uh, so I'm watching the video. I say, like, what the, you know, what's Jay doing, you know, doing short term rentals. And, and and then it got my attention. So long story short, my wife and I, he ended up hosting a mastermind out in California with some other um, short term rental operators. Um, and even the person that helped him get into the game was, was, was part of this group. So we were like, Oh yeah, we're fixing to go check this out. So he went flew out there to the mastermind event kind of, you know, learned in a in a weekend basically like what it took to get this thing up and running and uh we said we could do this back in Texas like this is this seems legit and the rest is history man we we got came back put our heads down and went to work
1: What's going on, STR Nation? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Boostly. Now, you may remember episode 40 and 41 with Mark Simpson. He's the founder of Boostly, where we did a two-part series on the five steps for turning lookers into bookers. Mark is the king of direct bookings, and his company, Boostly specializes in creating hospitality websites. Yes, for short-term rentals, boutique hotels... They specialize in building websites that turn lookers into bookers. So if you're in the market to get your own direct booking website and stop relying on all the OTAs like Airbnb and booking.com and paying them their commissions, you need a direct booking website and Boostly is the company to do that for you. They have several different options for you. They can build everything for you, do it all for you, or you can purchase one of their pre-designed templates and just fill in all your information. But the cool thing with Boostly is they are the only company to offer a 100% money back guarantee. Meaning, whatever you pay for this package with them, if you do not make that money back with direct bookings, they'll give you your money back. So there is literally no risk for you. So make sure you guys go check out boostly.co.uk slash strsecrets. Again, that's boostly.co.uk slash strsecrets to learn more. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What is going on, E?
2: My brother, so good to be here. Lovely to see you. Um, that deck at the Cove looks amazing. And guys, my like my if mind. you're not following the Cove on, on Instagram, it makes me so jealous because it looks so good. And now here, we're getting to the time of the year that I hate going outside. Um, it is 90 degrees from like 7.30 in the morning, and there's just no, no break. Um, but life has been good, man. Um, crazy, and you and I have talked about this off-air the other day. Highest level of occupancy that I have ever seen in 10 years of doing this for the off-season, shoulder season. Um, I have never, never experienced this level of occupancy um, into early summer like just unheard of and i'm talking about like 60 65% pre covid occupancy to we closed april at 94% uh, and we're tracking 85% for may
1: it's just love it
2: wild yeah
1: it's, we've been saying it for a while though like the the way yeah, no, people it. have been pent up for a year they want to get out they want to you know start traveling again and taking vacations and doing what they want to do
2: exactly yeah
1: and we, we have no more no more
2: restrictions here. We don't even have to wear masks to go to the gym or anything like that anymore. So it's just. just...
1: Floridians, man, it's like.
2: Wild what? West, bro. <laughs> Wild West. That's why the Florida man is a thing, right? Like that's, that's why the news is always somebody in Florida did something, you know. Um, but yeah, man, life is good. I love,
1: I love it. Yeah, today's actually my son's fifth birthday so uh happy birthday Nice. yeah i'm excited so after we record this gonna go play with him the rest of the day and hang out and my entire house is looking like spongebob's dungeon over here it's uh it's pretty fun but uh excited for that and then yeah man just just kicking into high gear finally finished the deck renovation that took way longer than it was supposed to but it looks awesome and i'm so glad the way it came out and um now we're working on this other one, <clears throat> so hopefully that's going to go live early June. Got the team over there right now finishing setting up some stuff, got the cleaners coming in next week, scheduling some contractors to finish setting some vanities, and you guys know all that all that fun yeah. stuff that time you know, yeah, yeah it's game time now, so
2: yeah,
1: yeah. love it so I'm excited, man, but uh I'm really excited for our guest today, who we've connected with a bunch offline and um you know, through clubhouse and just gotten to know him. And he's just a genuinely awesome human being that I love spending time with. And he's super giving with his knowledge and his expertise, which spans a ton of different places that I didn't even realize we we're talking off air of all the stuff he's done, you know, throughout his career and it's pretty amazing. So today we have Noble Crawford, the third with us. He's a seven year business owner and principal partner in a short term rental industry His diverse background spans several years in hospitality, technology, and sales and marketing. He's worked with brands like Marriott, Hilton, IHG, and a bunch more. And his experience enables him to teach his students how to collaborate with multifamily owners and property management firms to create win-win partnerships on the rental arbitrage side. So without further ado, Mr. Crawford, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Been a long time coming.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're excited to have you. So why don't you kind of Run it back a little bit, you know, kind of give us like the two to three minute rundown on on your background and how you got into the short term rental space.
0: Sure, sure. So, you know, like you said, my 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 background goes back, uh, you know, twenty plus years, um, kind of getting started in the hospitality space. My first job in hospitality was with a Marriott, right? Um, so a full service property, and. Mm. I was young. My wife and I were recently been married. We had our first child and everything, and so, um, so I'm 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 already working one job, right? But I'm you know I'm I'm a go getter, right? So I'm like I got to make it happen for the family, this sort of thing, and so I went out and got a second job. So I'm working two full time jobs. It was absolutely crazy, right? Uh, but one of those jobs during the day was at a Marriott, and I was working in the the conference setup department. So right, we handle making sure all the conferences and all the tables and chairs and everything gets set up and I was in there for a couple of months and you know, opening became a uh, came available in the audio visual department okay and so that's where you're setting up the projectors the sound systems and all of that good stuff for meetings and conventions and so on and so I jumped into that opportunity I was like you know I get to play with all of this at the time it was like really high-tech stuff right and so I was like, I get to play with all of these high tech toys during the day and hobnob with these CEOs and even celebrities at times. And so I was like all in. I'm like, oh, this is it right here. Right. And so um, so I cut my teeth really in the hotel space on the event services side and I kind of went up through the ranks over the years and I, I learned, you know, video production. I learned the audio and, and the mixing console and running the boards. And I learned, you know, the lighting. And 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 I kind of graduated through the ranks all the way up to becoming uh, what they consider uh, technology director or director of event services, different titles like that. And so um, I worked over time. I worked at Marriott. I worked at Hilton. I worked at the Intercontinental Hotel Group. You know, I've worked... Um, at a holiday in, you know, i worked at these, all of these different brands. Um, I worked at convention centers. My one, of, one of my last jobs was at. Um, so American airlines is based here in Dallas Fort Worth in Texas, and they have a training facility, just a full blown wide training facility where they train all of their flight attendants and, and uh, folks like that and different uh, staff people. And so um, my, my last job kind of in that event space or, or one of my last positions in that event space was uh, I was a technology director over that entire facility. Um, and so, you know, we, obviously there was a lot of meeting room space there, a lot of event space there. So I kind of oversaw that. Um, and when I exited that position, um, I transferred with another company up to little rock and I got a chance to, um, work at the, the Peabody hotels, the director of technology up there and then the convention center handling some pretty large scale events, um, uh, for the governor and some different things. And so, um over the years I've I've wow, well, I've worked with some really big um events and brands with you know dignitaries of state and you know Dallas Cowboys Eagles concert. So it's a it's a ton of fun. So I exited that um and I went in the home theater. I was like, this is the natural progression, right? You know, I, I've done all the live event stuff, and now I get to help people set up like cool home theater rooms. So I went in the home theater. And I was doing that for probably a couple of years and it was fun. And then an opportunity became available where I could get involved on the commercial side. So not selling into individual residences, but selling into um, my verticals was was higher education was one and corporate was one and then government was another. So we were going into like universities and colleges and I was more of a kind of a design sales guy. We're designing and selling systems for full-blown automation and auditoriums and things like that, right? So um, everything you can imagine technology-wise, like I've probably sold it at some point or another. So that was my last W-2 job, uh, was on the sell side of technology, right? Um, and the way the re- the reason way I exited that one, uh, my story is not too dissimilar from yours, Mike, to be honest with you. Um, you know, my, my wife, she ended up getting, getting sick. She got diagnosed with a brain tumor. This back in 2008, right? the, you know going through the whole uh economic crisis and everything that happened from the crash back then um and so she, obviously she had to go in and, and have the surgery done have the tumor removed so went through that whole process after they found the tumor um went through the surgery you know um had a uh, the surgery was probably double the time it should have been cuz a little bit of complication but they did get the tumor out so she's in ICU and uh, in in recovery and about the second or third day um she, she's getting to the point to where um she's not coherent you know post-surgery she's not like really really And she's in and out i should say right and uh and so it gets to the point to where she's trying to pull all of her tubes out like she's having these spells where she's trying to pull all of her tubes out and we couldn't like figure out what was wrong right It was pretty scary um and then long story short she ended up flatlining in the icu okay and um she was gone for like almost four minutes. That's a long four minutes for me. Right. Um, and so, so I am, and I, you know, I get a little worked up when I tell the story. So I have to keep it at, at bay. But essentially what happened was she was allergic to morphine and they had put her on a morphine drip for like two and a half days. It was, it was making her organs shut down. And, um, so they, 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 they resuscitated her you know, they, Pull the paddles out and did the whole nine yards, and about four minutes later they brought her back, and uh, she's still here today, thank God, and um, and 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 all as well. Uh, but but what happened was I left during that post uh, recovery time period. I left that W. I didn't leave the W two, but I took time away to take care of my wife um, because she had to relearn a whole bunch of stuff, like even down to walking. Um, how to use her fork and bring it to her mouth, the speech, the whole nine. So it was either me go to work or me stay home with my wife. And I chose to stay home and take care of my wife. Right. Well, when I got back to work, I got berated in a company wide sales meeting for dismal sales numbers. Now everybody knew what was going on in my family. Everybody knew like I was out because my wife just had brain surgery and all the complications And yet still the CEO decides to chastise me literally in front of the whole company. And like yourself, for me, that was the moment I said, I am not going to ever be in a position again where I can't have time available to care for my loved ones, my family um, and and, and be in this situation. And I made the decision right there. And so I went kind of I went hard in that sales job because it was commission based. And I basically bought myself out of a W-2 over the next couple of years. Um, I cashed out on some some huge deals that allowed me to exit that. Um, And then when I did that, because I had been in the technology space for so long and developed so many relationships, I immediately started a marketing agency with those relationships. And got that up and running. And I still have that today. Um, I'm not as active in it. Um, My son runs a lot of that. But um, but yeah, that's 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 the trajectory I took. And then a few years after that, I was introduced to short term rentals. And I said, you know, this looks really good because the marketing thing is is nice, but it's still a lot of work. Right. It's still a lot of hands on time. And I was like, you know, I can do this over here and spend less time and not affect my quality of life. Actually could be better. And so I dove in. The rest is history, as they say.
1: Dude, I got goosebumps listening to that story. Yeah, like I, I heard it before, but it was like an abridged version. No, I mean,
2: no, I I had no clue. And like, I was just, I didn't know where, like, it felt like Game of Thrones season one, like when it was still really good that you're like, you didn't know where the episode was going at any given time. And then he's like, and then I did this and I did this. I'm like, oh my God, like how many lives? Are, like, how old are you? I'm like, holy shit. That's I'm- amazing. <laughs>
1: Um, up there. he's a season 32 year old right now <laughs> I'm like damn um so
2: when you say you were introduced to vacation rentals what did that look like like you were introduced meaning like you guys went on on a vacation or somebody came up to you and was like there is this thing called rental arbitrage like what was that got
0: it so I was actually oddly enough um I'm talking to my father on the phone one day and uh, he's like, Hey, I saw this video on YouTube. Right. And uh, you know, my dad, he's up there. So YouTube, I'm like him and YouTube. I'm like, Oh, you're watching YouTube. He's like, "Yeah, I saw this video. And this guy was talking about short-term rentals. And I was like, what is short-term rentals? And he was like, yeah, that's what I said, but it sounds pretty interesting. I know you like to do this entrepreneurial stuff. Let me send you this link. So he sends me the link or whatever. And I'm looking at it. And lo and behold, um, it's our good friend, Jay Massey. Right. And, um, so I'm looking at now here, here's the thing. When I left my W two in 2014, I started a podcast, right? Because you know, who was hot back then was John Lee Dumas. So I just knew I was going to be the next black John Lee Dumas. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to podcast every day, you know, and I'm gonna do all this stuff. And so, in, in that process of going through my first podcast, you know, I was working with um, um, the podcast connection lady. I can't think of her name right up hand, but but she put me uh, she queued me up with Jay to do an interview. Right. And so um, so so Jay was one of the people in, 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 uh, you know, probably the first dozen people that I interviewed, Jay was in that group. And so um, so I had known Jay from that podcast from back in 2014. And now, now we're in twenty seventeen. And I'm learning about these short term rentals. So he's like, uh, so I'm watching the video. I was like, what the, you know, what's Jay doing, you know, doing short term rentals? And, and, and then it got my attention. So long story short, my wife and I, he ended up hosting a mastermind out in California with some other um, short term rental operators. Um, and even the person that helped him get into the game was 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 part of this group. So we were like, oh, yeah, we're fixing to go check this out. So he went flew out there to the mastermind event, kind of, you know, learned in a, in a weekend, basically like what it took to get this thing up and running. And, uh, we said, we could do this back in Texas. Like this is, this seems legit. And the rest is history, man. We, we got, came back, put our heads down and went to work.
1: Love that. Mm. that. And so how is your portfolio grown? So just for anybody that's new to the podcast, there's three different ways that you can do this business. You can buy properties, you could, master lease somebody else's, which is what Noble does. And we'll talk about that. Or you could co-host or you know partner and manage somebody else's property. So what did that first deal look like for you? And then where are you at now with your portfolio and what was kind of like that progression for you?
0: Got it. So, uh, so we've always done rental arbitrage. I, I take that, but we've done um, a co-hosting a, a time or two, um, but it's kind of like one-off stuff for people asking us, but for the most part, we've always done rental arbitrage. Um Always been with multifamily for the for the most part, um, and so we 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 got our first unit, um, in a multifamily complex, um, and it was scary because it's one these one of those businesses that you don't really know what you don't know until you actually get out there and start doing it right, and so um so the first part of that and probably the most scariest for anybody getting started is having those conversations right. You know, it's human nature that we don't like rejection, right? And so, you know, get, kind of getting to a mental space where you look forward to no's because the more no, more no's you get, the, the you'll eventually get to that one yes, right? So we went through that whole process. There was a paradigm shift for my wife, right? Um, you know, I'm coming out of sales, so I'm like, you know, we gotta go, we gotta have these conversations, and and and, and she's like, I don't like this. <laughs> so, so um, so once we we kind of you know graduated past that and having those conversations and learning those pain points and and learning how to get to yes um it was gangbusters but the first one was just a a simple multifamily. but then right on the heels of that we did a a duplex property um that was majorly successful and and that even gave us more ammunition and then we we've kind of stacked up since then and we've hit some peaks i mean we got up to over um almost three dozen at one point and then during the COVID, we started just cutting units, you know, slashing the units that weren't as profitable as we wanted them to be. Um, and now we're ramping back up. So we're up to 28, but depending on when this airs, that might be 38. So just inked another 10 units. So, uh, so yeah, nice. that's that's kind of the path we took.
1: Tell me about these 10 units real quick. So did you take like a whole building or a floor or tell me about these 10? So it's an apartment
0: community um and so it's a traditional apartment community not a high-rise or anything like that um but it's pretty kind of spread out um and so because of the um Kind of the era that we're in now with the economy and the COVID and everything, um, our situation here because I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth market in Texas is not too different than a lot of markets around the country where you have these multifamily um, properties that are struggling because one they've got tenants in them with this rent moratorium, they have tenants in them that aren't paying and may not pay you know before the end of June. Um, they've had tenants that move out that have moved out because of job loss or whatever or or, or what have you um, over the past year. Um, and their vacancy rates have dropped. And so, um, so we you know, we we simply have just I don't have these conversations directly now. I actually have a business development guy that that uh, that comes alongside now. And I've trained him and onboarded him to have these conversations. So he's kind of like bird hunter for uh going out and finding new deals. When we say, Hey, we want to add something, boom, he goes out. Now, part of that is based on relationships that we developed over time with uh property owners. Okay. And so, because we have a lot of direct relationships here in the Texas market anyway, um, a lot of times when we say go, we want to add some more, he picks up the phone and we, and, and, and that actually, he makes it happen. And so, and this, this was no different. Um, and so we have contacts here of properties here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, we wanted to go ahead and expand, um, from some assets that we were sitting on from having cut back from covid you'd never want to be in that situation where you're sitting on furniture and storage and it's not making you money right and so we had a little bit left that we had to move and so it just as it turns out there was 10 available that we could take and so we took that deal
2: but that's how that worked out gotcha and that kind of leads me perfectly into what my next questions was which is what i always wonder for the arbitrage people but once you get to your level tj's level i think this kind of changes but it's how do you so do you guys buy all the furniture and then if you do need to move out of the unit you have a central location that you can go put it into do you just rent a like self storage unit what does that kind of system looks like for you guys
0: got it so that was an actually a new process for us because that was driven more because of covid um and so we hadn't been in that situation before so but what we did was when when covid hit we didn't lose any. Uh, we, well, we lost two bookings. Okay, and 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 so from that regard, like you know, people think, well, wow, that's great. You're doing good, and that and that was fine. But the issue was that the new bookings fell off quite a bit, right? So although we only lost two existing bookings, the new bookings fell off quite a bit. And so as we're looking at that and kind of doing our forecasts and projections, um, we also just said, hey, let's look at where we can trim some fat. Right. Let's look at where we can cut our expenses, where we can operate more leanly. Um, and let's look at those properties in our portfolio that aren't that, um, you know, aren't as profitable as as we had initially thought that they would be. Um, and it just the timing couldn't have worked out better because we were coming up on some leases that were ending where we had to decide where we were going to renew or not. And these were the non-performing ones. Right. And so we started cutting. uh, We we, essentially, we didn't renew those leases. Right. But then we because because of the situation we were in, we were still kind of trying to Maneuver and and pivot and and do everything we could to stay profitable and uh, you know and and keep keep running um, during this time frame. And so because we didn't know what our next move was going to be, then we knew we had to put that furniture somewhere, right? And so we um, put it in storage temporarily until we decided, hey, we're going to start you know grabbing property here and there. And so, um, so that's not a practice that we had been through before, nor that we had to do before. It was very brand new to us and it was all driven by COVID. Um, but yes, it's furniture, set in storage. And as we started onboarding new units and spinning up new properties, uh, then we would pull stuff out as needed.
1: Yeah, makes sense. One of the things that I think differentiates you and your business a little bit is you've been heavy, and probably because your background in marketing and sales, heavy on the direct booking side you know, we've talked offline quite a bit about this, but, you know, when you started, was it, you know, heavy on Airbnb and then how has that progressed and kind of talk through some of your strategies, right? You're where you're building a lot of relationships to keep your units full.
0: Absolutely. So when we started, we were very intentional about a couple of things. One of those being, so I was already familiar with the whole corporate housing model. And I knew, um, because I had stayed in corporate housing, right? Um, And so I knew that um, the traditional corporate housing model takes the rent, adds a thousand dollars to it. And that's kind of their play. Right. Um, And so um, so I kind of had an idea of how corporate housing work. The short term rental part was a little bit newer to me. Um, But I knew from the beginning that we wanted to be more of a hybrid operation whereby we accommodated short term under 30 day staying guests and longer staying midterm to longer staying guests, because I I was familiar with the corporate housing model and I kind of liked certain aspects of it. And so uh, because we were going to, I anticipated us operating in this kind of hybrid model. uh, We were very intentional about how we set up our operation. um, And, and that hybrid model included direct bookings, because that is how a lot of corporate housing works, Right. And so, um, from, a re- how the relationship thing benefited us is I said, okay, if I want to host both short-term midterm, midterm and longer-term stays, and I want to do it in multifamily properties, um, then I need to get out here and I need to, uh, develop a relationship with these property owners. Right. Um, and because here's what happened in the very beginning, I was having the conversations with property management. Okay. Um, and then the first multifamily that we picked up, the, um, the management changed hands. And when the management changed hands, the new management came in and said, yeah, we don't allow this. Right. And so um, and so we had to pivot at that point and, 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 and move our inventory to another property. And so that left a bad taste in my mouth. And I was like, I don't want to be in that position where I'm having to move units. Right. So I said, well, I need to have those conversations at the highest level. And that's with the ownership. And so uh, I started going to real estate conferences, specifically multifamily real estate conferences, because I knew and understood that this is where um, my, my client base would be. And this is where they hang out. And these are the type of events they attend. Right. And this was stuff that I had learned in marketing. And uh, and so I, I went to my first uh, real estate conference here in Dallas. It was a pretty, pretty good sized one. I was the only guy in the room talking about short term rentals. So on breaks, I was having multiple conversations with guys about short term. They didn't even like this is back in 2017. They didn't even like fully understand and grasp the concept of the business model. Like they, it was intriguing to them and they were interested, but it was like, tell me more. Right. And, um, and so that's really kind of what spurred it for for us was developing those relationships. And we actually landed deals out of those relationships. And we till this day, we get deals from that very first conference that I went to. And I continue to go to conferences, more conferences, more conferences. Now, when I'm having a conversation, um, I'm usually more often than not having it at the ownership level. And when those decisions are made at the ownership level, then property management is told, here's what we're going to do. Here's who we're going to do it with. And here's how it's going to work. And so we're not being we're not in a situation any longer where, you know, we're, we're a different property management company comes in and we're being put out. In fact, because we're having conversations at the ownership level, as you all very well know, multifamily ownership can change hands anywhere from three to seven years on average. Right. And, and but when that ownership changes hands, usually the conversation from one owner to the next is favorable towards us. Right. As opposed to new ownership coming in with a new property manager, you got to go. Right. Move your 10 units. So it, it changes the dynamic of the entire conversation because you're having a conversation at the highest level.
1: I love that, man. I love that.
2: That was so good. It, and, and sorry, Mike, I think it, it just goes into something we talked about all the time is understanding how you present yourself and how to present yourself as an ally. And as somebody that dude, we're going to be solid. Like we've been solid this entire time you can sell us, you can sell the property to somebody else and you can tell them, no, he's going to be solid. He's going to take 10 units. You didn't need to take 15 units. You'll take 15 solid rent. Because at the end of the day, when you think high level and you think like an owner, you know that that's what everybody, like that's what I care about, right? Like if I'm buying a 40 unit, 50 unit apartment complex, if I know for a fact that 10 units are rented, Market by somebody that pays me consistent and takes great care of the units.
1: <laughs>
2: yep. it's it's a no brainer. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. As
0: a matter of fact, you know I throw this in too. So at, at these conferences, we run into these um real estate developers, right? So they're building from the ground up. So. I I was introduced to this one gentleman at the conference, and uh, we kind of developed a relationship. And I was explaining to him the business model and so on and so forth. And he was in the process of breaking ground on a new uh, multifamily uh, development of townhomes, right? And so um, this particular market that 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 uh, he was uh, breaking ground in, I was on the fence about. It. I had run some numbers, and I wasn't a thousand percent sure it was going to be as profitable as I, you know, ideal as I'd want it to be. Uh, but I did. I was intrigued, and I did want to test the market. And so we had some back and forth conversation. Ultimately, we ended up in a deal with him where we didn't pay no rent, we paid zero utilities, we we didn't pay Wi-Fi, we paid nothing. Right? We like uh, contractually, there was nothing due to him on a monthly basis. The only thing we did was bring in the furniture, right? And so here's what we said: We said, "Look here, we think this market could work for a number of reasons, uh, but we want to test it out." Right. Um, and but here's the deal we're willing to make with you because it was a new development, right? So you're developing like a hundred plus of these pretty, you know, decent sized three bedroom townhomes. And uh, so we knew for them, you know, getting that lease up, you know, done quickly is is paramount. So we said, look here, we want to take the first handful that you have available, right? And uh as you're building these out. And what we'll do is um we're going to do a, a rev split, right? And it was, um, at the time when we started, I want to say it was 70-30, our favor, okay? Um, I think it's 65-45 or 60-40, our favor now. But at the time we started it was 70-30, our favor, right? So if we flip that whole co-host on his head, okay? And we said, here, we're going to do a revenue share with you. You're not charging us any rent or anything. We're going to get make sure the, 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 the guests come in, the clients come in. Um, but we think that your 30% will cover what you would charge a normal, normal long-term tenant. And, and so, and if it goes over that, then great, you get to keep the difference. Right. So he was like, let's do it. It's exactly what we did. That 30%, um, more than covered, uh, <laughs> what, what his long-term tenant rent was. And that thing took off. Um, and so it was a very unique kind of creative arrangement but it was all based on a relationship that was developed over time, meeting someone at a conference.
1: I love that. I'm glad you brought that up because I've been eyeing. There's a brand new development near one of my hotels, brand new. And I have a relationship with the developer Mm -hmm. and I'm going back and forth. The rents are premium. And you know me, I'm I'm a co-host guy I buy them. I haven't done the rental arbitrage, but I'm really, you guys got me really considering this one because the property is sweet. It's a beautiful property, but it's a fairly seasonal location. So that's mm-hmm. my only hesitancy. But the way that you played it, did you end up flipping it to a true rental arbitrage or did you end up keeping the rev share with them like mm-hmm. longer term? We
0: kept, kept the rev share. The yeah. um, split changed because they, they caught on after a while, like how much we were killing the game, right? And so we, re- rene- we re- renegotiated a bigger split for them. Uh, but we st- still have never paid a dime. And rent utilities, anything, um, and so we're not um, we're not on the hook for any of those units for anything. Um, we can we have a very easy exit arrangement if we need to exit or pivot. Um, it it it's, it was it was very unique but very creative. And it's been a win win for both sides. And that's something we're very adamant about is creating win win situ- op- opportunities because if both sides aren't going to win in the deal. Then we don't want to play in that game. Like yeah. we don't want to um, come in where we're we're winning and they're losing. Right. Or vice versa, because um, this is not good business. Right. Um, and so that 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 is important to us. And uh, and, that, and that helps the relationships, too.
1: And just to clarify, so you, you paid for the furniture, you designed it and you built it out and then Mm -hmm. you did the rev share. Yep. So it's like a hybrid, like you were saying, like, Mm -hmm. absolutely.
2: Yep. But it's so brilliant, you know, and, and for any listeners that maybe have a couple of units and, and if you can present this and work the right relationship with a seasoned investor in your local town, you can accomplish this easily. Right. You can accomplish the same thing that, that he has. I mean, if you can do a 70, 30, do send us a message because that's that's, that's impressive. Uh, but I mean, and and to me, man, is the constant reminder of um, just the more you open yourself to allowing everybody else to win, the more opportunities you have. Yep, that's yeah. that's that's all it was because like you you come up and you're like i'll, I'll give you a win win situation i'll share my profits i can guarantee you you'll make more money
0: yeah you're spot on that, that's that's absolutely correct um and and you know for for myself um when we have these conversations um with new Property owners and, and and new landlords and things like that who either are not familiar with the business model or if they are um, you know and they, they are familiar with it but they 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 want to have a deeper level of conversation um, then we we actually bring that up that is a talking point for us um, and we we let them know on the front end look um, we we're, this is a negotiation obviously so we'll do some back and forth um, but we want to land in a place that's both beneficial for you. And it's beneficial for us and this beneficial for the guest. Right. And so it's kind of a three way, um, you know, win, if you will, um, because at the end of the day, if not, if you can't check all three of those boxes, it's, it's, it's not a recipe for success. Right. Um, so, the, the property owner has to has to get his in the deal. We need to be profitable and the guest needs to have a great experience. Um, and when you can check all three of those um, and you can scale,
1: it's, just, it's, it's off to the races. Love it, man. I love that. One thing I did want to hit on and I know we're getting close to our time, but <clears throat> the way that you market your units is also different, right? Where you're getting a lot of direct bookings. What would you say is kind of your split now? And I'm also curious, are you selfishly amassing, because I had an opportunity to take on a unit on a co-host deal, but there's 30 day restrictions on it. And I was hesitant to do it because it's not really my wheelhouse, but I think you've done some of those, maybe not from a restriction basis, but you've done some more of those midterm stays. And I'd like to just talk about that real quick for myself and for the listeners. Sure.
0: Sure. So that's correct. So we, um, we do a, a, quite quite a bit on the direct booking side right um and part of that was again by design but that there's levels to this right so we we had to graduate to that point um and so currently we're probably we're, we're having around 35 to 38 percent uh of airbnb based bookings right um and that's it and and so that's that's positive for us for a number of different reasons um and then what's what's been strange at least during this COVID period anyway is that um our because we do use VRBO also and we use a couple other platforms but what's strange is that um the other OTAs um carry about the same weight um as 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 Airbnb in in terms of the ratio of bookings um and then the rest of that is all direct just purely direct Um, but As most folks, when they start out, Airbnb is going to be the primary platform, um, is going to be the the number one uh, resource for their bookings. But here's what we did to generate the record bookings, right? Um, I did this heavily in the beginning myself, right? So this part of it is hard to scale, um, but it's very, very effective, Okay. Um, I actually went out when we were determining, so, so one of the things that, that, that we learned from that original mastermind that we went to, right. Was we learned to start with the customer first, right. Start with the guest first and then guest avatar. Now me coming out of a marketing space and having a background with HubSpot inbound marketing, I kind of, that was ingrained in me, right. Um, we want to start with your, your, your customer avatar, if you will. And so, um, so when we start looking at properties ourselves and locations and furnishings and everything, um, we start with what is that guest avatar? What does it look like? Um, that kind of drives a lot of our decision making process. Right. When we're spinning up new properties or servicing guests. And so. How that benefited us is when we were looking at locations, we started with um, what's uh, the cu- the customer that we're serving. So one of them, for example, was small government. So we said, OK, what are um and the reason i knew this space is because i worked it in my previous w2 remember when i explained to you small government was on the verticals I worked or the government sector um and so you know i looked for i knew that government people travel i knew they traveled under the corporate umbrella so for us you know one of those corporations was a raytheon and i've told this story before but uh, we identify a, a raytheon facility in our in our metro market and uh We looked at the housing situation around that location because we knew from some research that um, these government contractors were coming to this. was one of our headquarters facilities coming to this facilities for weeks at a time, you know, working on these projects. Okay, And so we looked at what is the existing housing hotel mix in this location. Right. And it was sparse uh, at best. And uh, and so we said this is this is one of our guest avatars. This is um, someone we can serve. And this is a location that's ideal um, that is not there's not a lot of competition right here. Right. And so we identified a property, a multifamily property, literally across the street from Raytheon. Right. Now, here's what we did. We went to Raytheon first. OK, we said this is who we are. This is what we do. We love to be the provider of accommodations for your government contract uh, folks coming in uh, for these different projects. Okay. And then, um, so we had to find out first and foremost, like who under the roof of, uh, of, of Raytheon handled that, uh, turns out through some due diligence and work that it was a third party that handles that, um, globally for them. Right. And so we were given the name of that third party. we had to do some LinkedIn research doing it all the way down to the person. Long story short, um they said hey you can be on our um you can be a a vendor you can put on our purchasing list um because we traditionally cut po's we're like okay cool what else right and so we developed that relationship before we went to the uh the property community right before we went to the complex we walked into the complex and said look we have a contract (laughs) with these people across the street and they need to have temporary accommodations for you know however long um we would like to get X number of units. We would like to get a discounted rent um, because we're doing this um, for, you know, vo- for a volume play, basically. Um, and we, we want to do an extended lease term. And we don't want to pay uh, any application or administration fees. And we want the security deposits cut in half. Um, and so this is one property identified and we identified the one right down the street. But what do you think? Right. And. They were game, especially when we said, hey, we're going to go down the street, you know, if you don't like this opportunity. And we still hold that today. We still hold that property today. It performs excellent. That is a direct relationship with a big corporation that has government contract employees coming in uh, for project based work for weeks and weeks at a time. Um, so that's a foot on the ground going out, having legit conversations, not as easy to scale, but when you do the work and you do it once and you do it right, it will pay you dividends over
2: and over and over. I wish I had an air
1: horn app. Boo, 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 <laughs> boo.
2: <laughs> I was flashing like, like we do on like we do on, uh, on Clubhouse. Um, that was amazing. And I think like, no, what's so inspiring with you is is one how I mean, you're you're a hustler. You you can tell, right? But the, to me, going back to what I was saying earlier, the hustler mentality is in seeing the opportunity, creating the win-win, and just doing the legwork. Because that's that's to me, literally every single story that I have for for like little clips, the same weaving kind of things are there, right? You hustled. You got to know people. You provided value, and you created yourself an opportunity. Every single time yeah,
0: I, I would agree with that um, and and again for you know for for a lot of people um, you know some of these it, it's all about relationships to me um it's having those conversations building those relationships um, and leveraging those over the long term um, and and while you know going out and literally having the conversations is not the fastest way to scale. Um, it's an exercise, like I said, that you can do once and it can pay you over and over and over, over time. Um, and real quick before we fall off here, cause I did want to mention this. We were talking about, um, the land, the land development deal. So here's a quick little tidbit for the audience. So if folks that are interested in going after multifamily land developers, right. Um, now, the land development process is is kind of lengthy, right so if you're going to um get involved on the early front end of this um just understand there's it 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 can be kind of lengthy, and so you'll need to have um you know several things going at once right at different intervals um but um one of the things that we've recently started doing, so coming out of the space that I came out of in commercial um kind of sales and technology design. Um, I had a lot lot of opportunities to work on new building projects. Right. And uh, and working on those projects, our company was teamed up with these design build firms. Right. Um, And so there were design build firms that would handle the design and the build in house right? So um, they had architects in-house to handle design and they had contractors in-house to handle. So these are big commercial projects, right? So if you're, if you're, um, so what we've recently started to do is we've started to go out and develop relationships with design field, build firms who specialize in guess what? Multifamily, right? Uh, because as these as these buildings and these communities continue to pop up, we want to be on the front end of that to say, hey, not only are we going to position ourselves to help you with the lease up early on, but we can tell you some of the uh, creature comforts that will help the uh, uh, property be more profitable uh, from from our perspective, right? So, if it's a hundred-unit property, uh, and we know that during a lease up, we want to take twenty out of the gate to kind of help you, um, start, you know, get get established, then we can tell you from experience that hard surface floors are going to be better than carpeted floors, right? Because people like to drink red wine and grape juice or whatever, and it stains up. You can clean hard surfaces floors a lot better, right? There's certain certain countertop types that perform better, right? Um, because some of them are more porous than others, right? And you're gonna be dealing with different stains and things, right? Washers and dryers in the units is a plus. So we bring to the table something, and, and we did this exact same thing with that land developer on those condos. We had these conversations with him before they built them out and they built them to spec almost everything that we asked for, we got. So that's a little, a little, a little trick people can use um, if they're looking to work with the land developers. Oh Mm. my
2: goodness.
1: That's so good. So I have too
2: many clips. I'm going to have to cut out some of these clips. (laughs) I only, I only, I'm only supposed to have four. I think I have eight right now. So uh, this is going to be quite difficult edit for me. Um, Wow, man what an inspire I mean I knew this was good that's what I kept we all kept nugging you to come on the on the show um but but it was worth it man like just the level again dude. the the, the hustle and, and the goodness by which you do things and and I I honestly think that's that's probably the greatest reason you've been as successful as 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 you've been is just such a great attitude and such a great way of looking at problems um and I love the overall message that you you got to make yourself uncomfortable, have a conversation, get back to selling. Um, and it's funny because I restarted doing that yesterday for my real estate business. The market is so hot that I'm like, I need to start prospecting again and actually call calling people. Um, so yesterday I set up my dialer and I used to do this for hours, right? Like I used to have like daily four or five hours a day, but yesterday after my first phone calls, the first four just went right through voicemail. I'm like, oh, this is easy. The fit phone call, the person answer. By the end of it, my legs were shaking. Cause at the same time, no matter how good of a salesperson you are, we don't like rejection. We don't like feeling uncomfortable, right? And just that's somebody nice. being like, Yeah, no, I don't want to talk to you. Stop bothering me. And you're just like, oh my goodness. That hurts. Like, you know, but at the same time, that's what makes us makes us bigger, makes us better. Um, so I love the reminder. It's been such a pleasure, man.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's been a blast.
1: Well, before we get into the last question, my man, again, I want to acknowledge you and thank you for coming on here. Um, Where can folks learn more about you? Make sure you plug the Clubhouse Club, all that good stuff. Where can folks get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm easiest to reach on on IG now, ironically, because of Clubhouse, because I was never big on IG until Clubhouse. I was always a twitter guy, but um but i g you can reach me there Um, certainly um you know feel free to tap in with us uh, in the hospitality cash flow club uh, clubhouse and then the hospitality cash flow pod- podcast um then i'm on I'm on LinkedIn everywhere else too so um people can tap in noble Crawford pretty easy to remember so uh now I will say this uh I am noble Crawford the third, right so my dad. Is a junior, he's on all these platforms. And my oldest son is the fourth. <laughs> he's on all these platforms. So make sure you're following the right one. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a lot of us. <laughs> so uh pops like sending them
1: some different YouTube videos at this point. <laughs> um, awesome, man. Well, the the last question that we ask all of our guests is what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals?
0: Whew, that's a good one. Um I would say honestly, man, it's 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 um never giving up, dude. That has um I, I learned that through the experience with my wife. Like I'm just I, I I I I committed to myself at that point to to literally just never give up, um, and that has pushed me more times than than I can uh, than I can say. And uh, so I encourage people like. Um, I I heard recently mentioned the clubhouse, you know, quit on occasion, you know, quit after lunch and start back the next morning, you know, but never give up. Right. Um, so you can quit on occasion, but don't ever give up. So that that's my two cents.
1: Mm, So good. Had to drop one more nugget in there for everybody. Mr. (laughs) Crawford. Thank you so much for being here, man. Always a pleasure. Truly appreciate you always learning from you. And, um, again, just acknowledging like your willingness to come on and share and the insane amount of hours that you donate on clubhouse, helping people get started. Um, yeah. You know, what day is your room? You,
2: what day is your room on clubhouse? I, I think it's on Thursday, Thursdays. Right? Thursday night. So
0: the show comes yes, out Thursdays, on, uh, on 7 PM central.
1: Yes.
2: Perfect. Thank
1: you. All right, brother. Well, thank you again for being here and, uh, we'll see you all next time. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Okay.